Hey guys, welcome back, Popcorn Family. I'm Nina. And I'm Amin, and welcome to our 47th show. Second, second. Yeah, 42nd show, season two, episode four. Episode five, I accidentally did not correct it. But anyway, this is where we cover cover the latest on content creation, social media, entrepreneurship, and tech to help position you guys, to help you guys position yourselves as business influencers, business leaders, and industry authorities through content creation. Now, in other words, we're building Southeast Asia's business influencers by building your authority, impact, and income on social media. So if this is something that excites you, join us and follow us on all our social media. Because we come, come and join us, come and join us, come our, and join us. Yeah, yeah, come and join our cult, okay? Yes. Now tonight, <laughs> If you are one of those people who have major issues with their personal write-up on LinkedIn or anywhere and you think you sound stiff, formal, or fake, then boy, do we have a treat for you. We being the awesome, natural Wait, people. I have to something. Awesome I have to say something okay, right. This session is dedicated specifically for Nina, who has not updated her profile <laughs> for the last one and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, this is for me. That's why I invite all these speakers, right? So anyway, we've got you the man who's going to show you exactly yeah. how to take yours from sounding meh to epic and legendary status. So who wants that? Let us know in the comment section. Who wants to start epic and legendary? Yeah. Okay. But no, I think I mean, we're going to cover quite a lot more, right? It's not just a profile. Yeah, it's a not lot just more that. We're going to be talking about webinar because this man has a lot of guests. So we need to, you know, yeah. get it out of him. Yeah. And exactly. and I mean, I don't know about you, I mean, but in the olden days, people would go to, you know, all these BOMOs? They would go to BOMOs to like, to, oh, please help me get more sales into my company. But nowadays, we have to go to all these ghostwriters, um, you know, kind of thing. And, and as a, oh, please write all these nice things about me so that I can enroll people into it. So I, 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 I have one statement for this, okay? Okay, what? Okay, copywriters will be the next future BOMO makes sales. Okay. Uh, Dean, we're, we're listening backstage. Bomos are like witch doctors. Yeah, so we're not far off from New Orleans, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but there you go. Kind of thing. All right. So who do we have in the house? We have, a, we have a lot. Uh, we have... We have a lot. We have one speaker, for God's sake. I'm in. <laughs> no, I, I thought you were talking about our audience. Oh, audience. Yes, <laughs> audience we know. But let us know who's in the house. We know. So anyway, uh, our guest tonight, uh, let me introduce you. He has been a ghostwriter, not quite mm-hmm. a promo, behind many B2B and B2C webinars, creating automated and live sales content for global companies and solopreneurs. We're talking 300 companies have enrolled employees in his online course about audience attention and creating powerful B2B sales webinars. Wow. Okay, when he isn't rescuing webinars from CMOs, he's running eight sprints per year with clients around the world, helping them create the best ever marketing videos, sales presentations, and webinars. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Um, we have so many questions for you, Dean. I have. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the show, Dean. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do that, in fact. <laughs> Hey, um, I got to point out something because I just heard in the last couple of minutes, right? Um, uh-huh. It might be true that Nina hasn't updated her about section for a year uh-huh. or more, yeah. but she avoids a mistake that you made. In <gasps> yeah, I did. Oh, do tell. What I is did. it? I did. I did. And what, so here's the thing about the about section on your LinkedIn page. Okay? Every other part of your LinkedIn page 
is you talking about you, right? Every, your work mm-hmm. experience, here's my name, here's my picture, here's where I went to school, here's where I work now, here's where I worked before, here's where I live, right? That's all about you. And your headline is you shouting about you. But the about section is the only part that's not about you. It's about your reader. And the mistake you make is your very first sentence, you start with I. I have a vision to do X. And Nina starts off with a question that the reader might be asking themselves about a problem that they're having. Her, her first line is way too long. Uh, you know, it's not a perfect first line. But at least she starts off by trying to uh, get inside the conversation the reader's already having in their head. And then, uh, but you start off with just talking about you. And the reason um, so many people leave their about section, people hate writing their about section, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason so many people leave it blank and a lot of people have nothing in their about section because they don't know how to start. And yep. so it's tough because all of a sudden you're doing this, okay, 95% of everything here is I got it. You know, I know where I went to school. I know where I live. I hope you know where you live. I know where I live. But then you get to the about section and says, oh, crap, I don't want to write this. Like, this is weird. And sometimes deep in your like monkey brain, you realize like, okay, something's wrong with this part. Like something's different. And I don't, I don't recognize what it is. And it's probably more dangerous for me to write something than to just leave it blank. And so a lot of people leave it blank. But so what I do is, and it doesn't take very long, I just sort of walk people through eight questions. And at the end of the eight questions, it's pretty simple to do a write-up for yourself or for someone else. And I watched the video, by the way, that was Pat Flynn, right? You had running before. Yes, Pat Flynn. That was yeah. lagging. Right. No, no, <laughs> so sorry. Really, but I mean, his message was good. Here's the, here's the difference between um, Pat Flynn and all of the sort of formulas that you get and like what a copywriter would do. And that doesn't mean only copywriters can do it, but copywriters will come at it from another angle. In, in copywriting, what you say is inform with the text, but persuade with the subtext. So you persuade with the stuff that you don't say, right? Not that you're leaving anything out, but you're, you want to give an impression of something without actually having to come out and say it. Because if you come out and say it, then it sort of cheapens it and people don't believe you, right? You can convey that you're honest. Whereas if you wrote, I'm honest, people are going to say, that dude's not honest. Nobody who's honest would write that. So you could come at it. So what I do is I just give people like for free, I just give them the eight questions and I say, answer these questions. And you'll have everything, you know, don't even write full sentences, just write in the bullet points. And then at the end of it, look at everything you've got and you'll be able to pull out the parts that you want to make into a really cool looking and and impressive about section. This is why I interviewed uh, your guest on Just Langa. It's because of this thing that you do, this medicine man thing, we call it here magic voodoo, thing that you do with these eight questions. Um, I heard that it's so good that by the end of the webinar, you actually have an about you section. Is, is that true? Right. Yeah. About me. Um, I, ran, I, ran a, I ran a test in December with a bunch of people. And I did not realize, I'll be honest, I did not realize. Mm-hmm. I've been writing LinkedIn about profiles for people for years and years. I've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. But mm-hmm. uh, I just, uh, mostly for people who were looking for work and I was doing it as a favor for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you know what? I didn't charge anything you- or anything. You know, you know what I what I like about your your style because I actually see I was going through the two profiles that you gave to me before we start the, the show. Yesterday, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I was like, whoa, it's short, simple, and sweet, but it speaks to the audience, right? Right, yeah, because I I I love it, and I'm like looking at it, and saying, you know what, I need to do something about mine without <laughs> shouting, right? So you're not shouting uh, it out, yeah. It, it's yeah. very subtle. The inception is amazing. That's how right, I see it. Okay. 
hang on. Uh, Popcorn chatbot uh, or AI is saying that Dean is a bit soft. Um, our chatbot can't hear you. So we can increase the volume. I mean, you're loud. I'm, I'm get, great, getting deaf here. Sorry about that. So, yeah. Um, I can so, go a bit hotter if you want. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, do you have the eight questions? Uh, I mean, what are the eight questions? They're oh, very simple, the right? Yeah, so I have like, uh, I, I recorded a webinar. I did this back in December where my coach, you know, everyone, every, every coach has a coach, right? My coach said, you should write people's like LinkedIn profiles for them, like write the about section. And I said, who would ever want a stranger to do that for them? He said, you might be surprised. So I'm, I'm part of, you know, Seth Godin's like larger kind of community. I did the Alt MBA and stuff uh, last year. And so I just posted up a little thing and I figured, you know, three or four people are going to sign up. And, you know, and, and, and here's what I said to them. I said, hey, I'm looking for a few people to join a beta group for me. I want to test something out. It's the end of the year. It's not very busy. And so I'm going to um, I'm going to have you come in on a Zoom session at the top of the hour. I'm going to ask you eight questions and then I'm going to write a brand new about section for you uh, that you can put on your LinkedIn profile. And the whole thing's going to be done within an hour. Like it's, it doesn't take very long. And then I walked away from my computer and I don't know if you know what Calendly is, but you know, it's one of those many websites you can sign up for where people can see your calendar and then book themselves a slot in it. I walked away and I uh, had, you know, I uh, had breakfast and I figured if I'm lucky, I'll get five people. And I was so dumb. I did not think to like limit the number of appointments. I did not uh -huh. think to put buffers between appointments so that they wouldn't be back to back. I come back an hour later and this was uh, first thing on Tuesday morning, every hour, between Tuesday morning and supper time on Saturday, every hour was booked. <laughs> Not even bathrooms. I would oh do eight of these at a time, back to back to back. That's how popular the topic was. I was mm. very surprised. Wow. So here okay. are the eight questions. There are three sort of standard marketing questions that you would have to answer for anyone in marketing that you're trying to talk to. And then four questions that I only ever see copywriters use and then one sort of memory question. So the first three questions are pretty easy. It's who is your intended reader for this about profile, right? Usually what you mean is it's, you know, someone, who are you trying to talk to? And then what, in their own words, not in your words, in their own words, what problem are they trying to fix by looking for people like you on LinkedIn, right? So they're looking for someone who will manage a team that they have, they're tired of hiring people to hire and manage this team because the team keeps churning those people out and, you know, wearing them, burning them out or something. And then uh, third is, what do you want to say to them? Like, you know, who are you and how do you solve their problem that you just talked about in number two? And number two is by, by far the most important question because the problem in their own words, that's the first line. You rewrite it, but that's the first line of your about profile. Mm -hmm. And the way that I tell people is, and people will say like, oh, uh, the way that my ideal reader would tell their problem in their own words is, and then they just list their own sort of qualifications. They're looking for a manager with 15 years experience who has, uh, you know, has brought products to market and blah, and I said, nobody, when they roll out of bed and they're rushing their teeth, and this is the first problem in their head that they really wish didn't exist anymore. No one talks like that. What they're going to say is, I am really tired of my boss asking me why that team is still not under control and has a manager and why I have to spend so much time dealing with them. That's the problem in their head, not the sort of faked up corporate type stuff that you put. And if you can get that problem and uh, in the webinar that I do, and the webinar is free, 
free. Anyone can watch it. Someone asked a great question that I'd never thought to explain is, how do I know what their problem is? Well, yeah. you don't know what their problem is. There's, there's 800 million people on LinkedIn. You know the problem that you want to solve, either because you enjoy solving it or, you know, you enjoy making money, one or the other, maybe both if you're lucky. So, like, that's the problem you're trying to solve. All you're doing now is getting inside the head of the reader who has the same problem. You can't talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's who's your reader? Those first three questions. Who's your reader? What? How do they describe the, the problem that you want to solve? And mm-hmm. what would you want to say to them exactly? And then those are the sort of the standard marketing questions. And then we go into copywriting questions. And most people have never had to think about themselves with these four questions, but the questions help a lot. And uh, the questions are pretty, you know, you find them in a lot of copywriting you know, courses and books. But it, I start off, why are, if I'm the person with the problem looking at different people on LinkedIn, because everyone who's looking on LinkedIn is looking to solve a problem. They want to solve a problem by hiring a company or hiring an employee or finding a vendor or something, right? So I'd say, why are you the safe choice for them? If they're looking at two different companies, two different people, two different individuals, one of them is going to seem like a little bit of a safer choice than the other one. Why are you the safe choice? And most people never think of themselves as why they're the safe choice. But if you have a if you have a problem and you're trying to get it solved and you're gonna, you know, give up money or time to do it, you wanna go with the one that's not least likely to be a waste of your time and money. So why are you the safer choice? And then the next question is, why is it easy to solve this problem if they hire you or if they give you money? Mm. Right? Just like straight up, why is it easy? Is it because you take over the whole thing and you do it for them? It's because you've got so many years of experience. You've seen every possible, you know, variation of this problem. You know, why are you the, why is it easy to get the problem fixed if they just like basically transfer money to you or hire you or whatever? Then the third one is um, what big thing do you, uh, can you deliver for them? And people get confused on big. It's like, no one's looking for the next Steve Jobs. Think of it as throwing a hand grenade in a cupboard and shutting the door. And then the hand grenade blows up inside the cupboard, right? And so nothing else gets damaged, but everything in the cupboard is gone. So that's what they're looking for. They have a little cupboard of a problem. They want to, they want you to be a grenade that goes in there and completely wipes out the problem for them. So it's not on their calendar anymore. Their boss is not bugging them about them anymore. And so what big thing in that little space can you do for them? Can you completely wipe out this problem? Can you at least make sure that it never gets any bigger? For some companies, that's enough, right? Can you make sure that you're going to put a system in place or you have a bunch of ideas so that no one ever has to deal with this problem again? Something like that. Like, how do you like wipe this problem out out of their existence? And then the last one is, how are you? It's really three questions, but it's better to say eight questions than 10 questions. So the seventh, eighth, and ninth questions really are, um, tell me how you are new, different, and unique. And those mean very different things. Now, almost nobody can claim to be new, right? Even most companies that I work with, because I write a lot of these profiles for companies, not just for individuals. Most companies are not new. There's no novelty factor about them, right? For every Uber, there's 10,000 companies that say, we're the Uber of laundry delivery, right? We're the Uber of airport shuttles, you know, mm-hmm. but there's one Uber and then there's a lots of other, like basically, you know, Ubers of that, right? So mm-hmm. almost nobody can say that they're new. It's very rare, but um, uh, unique is actually the easiest one to solve. Unique is, you know, these like Lego blocks that kids have. So mm-hmm. you've, if you put a bunch of those together in different colors, you've made something that doesn't look like anything else. So unique is just a combination of your experience 
where you went to school, what companies you've worked for, the kind of problems that you solve, maybe where you live or what country you're in, because you know a lot of problems are local, right? Not you know, they're not looking for a remote employee uh, everywhere in the world. They want someone who lives in this city or this country or whatever. And so unique is pretty easy. It's just stacking the Legos and the combination of it together means you're different than the other person that they're looking at on LinkedIn. And then the most important one is different. And different is simply this. What's your angle for approaching this problem? Because this actually takes us into the next question, which is how, how, why will they remember you or how can we make them remember you? So for instance, you might be a... Um, you might be a psychiatrist, right? Or a mental health counselor or something. And every other mental health counselor makes you drive to their office and then they talk to you in their office, right? But you don't do that. You meet everyone at a local firm and you guys get on horses and you, you talk while you're riding, right? I don't know if that's a better way to do mental health counseling, but it's an angle, right? It's a little different. I don't, um, you know, if you're like talking in your about section, I don't just teach people, I don't teach anybody, by the way, anything about LinkedIn, but I'm if, if I was you guys, I, I don't just teach people X, I do it by, you know, this way and this way and this way combination, because it's the best way to make sure that everyone can get to the information and retain it and apply it, for instance, right? So different is your angle, and it's very important. Your angle and whatever you answered for number two, the customer's problem in their own words, those are probably the two most important things. And then... Uh, the last question that I have people ask is, what do you want to remember tomorrow? Because they're only going to remember one tiny, tiny little thing about you the next day. And that's not just because of, of you or LinkedIn. Even any webinar or TV show or, or story you hear or whatever, you're only going to remember about 10% of it the next day. Just a human memory degrades pretty quickly, right? So yep. what sort of visual or emotional or just quirky thing can we have them? It doesn't matter. If it's impressive or not, it just needs to be memorable. So like, oh yeah, I remember uh, the lady who was talking about the horses. Yeah, I remember her, right? That's all you need. You just need to live long enough in their head, like about 24 hours, so that you're the person that sort of has the edge when they remember who they want to talk to for someone like that. And those are the eight questions. If you can wow. answer those questions mm -hmm. and then you can write a new profile, take question number two, and say, okay, here's the problem. I'm going to rephrase the problem to get inside the conversation that person has with themselves when they're brushing their teeth. Mm -hmm. And they're going to read that first one. And they're going to say, yeah, that's what I need, actually. Like They're going to skim it because that's all anyone's. We, our audiences don't owe us anything, right? And no offense, to it, but like, we, when someone sees you for the first time on LinkedIn and you're about profile, you're not a person to them. You're just a few bits of information on a web page. You know, they know. Mm -hmm. If they thought about it, yeah, um, she has like a whole family life. She has like a completely rich life and she commutes to work and, you know, she has all the problems and stuff that everyone else. They don't think about that, though. We only like we look at what's there in front of us. We give it a skim. And if nothing sort of resonates with us, we move on to the next person. So that's what you're trying to do with the very first sentence is get inside their head, which is why Ryan, talking about your vision should probably be the second thing you say and not the first. Thing. I think I will move that to my second or third. There you go. What should be the I first thing he says? I think what I think we're gonna do is that the first one I'm gonna start with either a question, yeah, or a problem statement. Um, right. I think that's something that's very powerful. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah, still going to him. No, because what I what I noticed he said is that the focus of my profile is that I've talk, I talk a lot about me, mm. and I don't focus on the audience. Right. Okay. Um, 
guys, if you got all the eight questions or 11 questions, if you know what I mean, mm. uh, could you type it out um, in the comment section? So whoever who's just joining us, because I just saw the number go up, um, they can immediately uh, get to see the eight questions. That's true. <laughs> you want me to say them again real quick? Sorry? Yeah, you, you can repeat them, them again as well. Yes. Yeah, sure. So number one um, is uh, who is your reader? Number two, in their own words, how would they describe their problem? Mm -hmm. Number three, what do you want to say to them about that problem? Number four, why are you the safe choice to fix that problem? Number five, why uh, is handing the problem over to you the easy way to get it solved? The next one is what sort of big impact can you have for that one problem if they hire you? Number eight is how are you new, different, and unique? And those mean the three different things, right? The most important for most people being different, which is how do you, what's your angle? What's your approach for this problem that makes you different and you know can get it fixed where other people might not have gotten it? And then the last one is what do you want them to remember 24 hours from now? Okay, so Sam, thank you. I saw some stuff already. Three, um, Dean. How do you? The last one was something that that stayed with me. How do we help people to remember us, especially because we only take home ten percent, right? So, if you can impart some kind of emotion with your profile, that's amazing. So, typically, what you try to do is um, you. There, there are only a couple of emotions that are going to be remembered the next day. Uh, most of them you don't want to deal with, right? Sadness mm. usually is remembered the next day. Anger is remembered for a really long time, but you would never want to like make someone angry to remember you. <laughs> It'd be crazy. But and some so, people do it. Some people that, do it. Yeah, and they're quite yeah, good at sure. it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you're like you know, a certain kind of radio host or like whatever, I mean, sure, go for it. But ideally, the, the one that you want to convey the most is relief, like pain relief. So think of it this way. If you don't have a headache and then you take headache medicine, there's no effect and you don't even remember. Right. But if you have a bad headache and you take headache medicine and, you know, 20 or 30 minutes later, you it's like the pain is gone. It's a profound impact. And you remember that. It's like, oh, yeah, the next time I have a headache, I definitely need to take this medicine. So their problem is a pain for them. And what, what you want to convey through a lot of it through subtext is that. By the time they identify and recognize themselves in the first question and then get to the end where you tell them what you want them to do, usually email me, call me here or connect on LinkedIn or something, right? Then like, it's like they come away and they say, oh, this problem, here it is again. I was reading, I was just looking at people yesterday to solve this problem. I really wish this problem didn't exist. I hate this problem. And then they remember, oh yeah, I had a sense of relief when I read that one person thing. I'm going to go back and check her out. All right. That is so good. Yeah. Okay, awesome. That sounds good. Um, well, I'm just going to sign up for your session. Uh, <laughs> I will say one thing, though. and uh, so yeah. I'm going to click on Amin again, okay? Uh, uh, <laughs> you're only going to get about 30 seconds of someone's attention. And so exactly. look at it this way. You're about section, and people surprise me all the time. Now that I've written so many of these, especially in the last two months, I've done at least another 100 just in the last few months for it. 100 wow. different companies and individuals. Mm -hmm. And um, people surprise me with what they do with it. They take the same thing and they put it on their website as their bio, like what I, you know, what I write for them. Or they put it as the summary section at the top of their CV, 
of their resume, right? Mm -hmm. Or they use it as the blurb for a podcast guest or something. Like people just take the same text and just use it everywhere because it is, it's just you encapsulated. It's who you serve, how you serve them, and why you're so good at serving them. Basically, is that's what you're about section is, right? But mm -hmm. I will say this, just like your CV's job is to get you an interview and not to get you hired without an interview, the about section on your LinkedIn profile is not about getting you hired. It's about getting you your customer to come a tiny bit closer to you and connect with you. That's its only job. So we throw in, you know, LinkedIn gives us, I don't know, 2000 characters or maybe more and people stuff it with all of this stuff. But your people, uh, a lot of people won't even read it if it looks too long. So I tell people either keep it very short, but tell them, you come out and literally tell them, connect with me here on LinkedIn or send an email to this address or visit my website right here or here's my phone number, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't leave off with just an impression that they're going to remember the next day. You want to put the step they need to take, a little baby step that they mm -hmm. can take to, to come closer to you. And if you still can't release yourself or you feel you've got some special insight into the LinkedIn search algorithm and so you want to stuff a whole bunch of keywords stuff in there, what I tell people is have the carefully constructed, sort of emotional, get inside the customer's head part up top, then like draw a line with dashes or equal signs or something. And then below that, throw in all of your other stuff if you want to. So anyone who glances at it knows immediately, I can skim the top part of this very easily. And I'll, I'll go ahead and read that. Okay, that's so amazing. Either don't make it too long or visually break it up in a way so that people understand, I can really just glance the first part. And if I'm interested in that, I can read the rest but I'll get everything I need just from looking at the first little bit. Right. Got it. I think that's such a good point yeah. because sometimes, you know, especially with eight plus three questions, you tend to write long. I mean, that's my yeah. experience. Okay. I mean, do you have any questions guys? If you have any questions, let us know in the comment section because you guys are very someone quiet. Did, someone was asking, what's number five, six and seven. <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think it's here. Yeah. Um, See, you come up with it. Uh, five. Why is yeah. it so this spot? So don't worry about it because we can always watch this later and, you know, kind of. <laughs> exactly. Thing. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Um, I think most importantly, we want to start doing it. Um, that sort of thing. Um, right. Do you guys have any questions about each of their respective, um, you know, different questions? And uh, if you have further questions, let us know in the comment section. Um, but. How does this help? Is it like a funnel in itself when we write it in such a way? No, not exactly, because we've all got multiple channels that we're trying to use for our own personal marketing, whether we're looking for a job or you know trying to find a customer or something. Right? Mm -hmm. This this little blurb right here is simply that it's a little tiny bridge, and its only job mm -hmm. is to bring the customer or prospect or hiring manager or recruiter closer to a tiny you. bit closer to you. Okay, and got it. But coming closer to you, also sort of locking out any of the other people that they're looking at. Because the other right. people are just throwing fact after fact after fact. And they're they're expecting the other person who's reading it to come and do half of the work to pick up what they put down and then to like internalize it and understand it. Whereas you went 90% of the way toward your reader by laying out everything that they needed in a very short way so that you can actually just like leave them with the impression, okay, if I want pain relief, this is the person I want to deal with. Got it. Uh, Popcorn Bot, if you want to write, if you have any questions about your About Me, if you're about to write your About Me section as a bot, let us know and we'll ask Dean, yeah? 
Okay. Um, I I have another question. Why is it so hard? Is is this a real problem that a lot of people don't know how to write their about me? Why why are we so stuck? Why is this the first thing we get stuck? Well, I can tell you this. Literally, it it requires you to do the one thing that's the hardest thing to do in all of humankind, which, which is, is leave, leave yourself and then look at yourself through someone else's eyes. And it's nearly impossible. Even copywriters aren't good at it. Nobody's good at it. It's not how our brains are made. Okay. And so that's why uh, you have you need questions, right? And here's my, uh, Pathlin's awesome. Like Pathlin's amazing, right? But, but I would argue that he, he's, he's missing the point on one thing, right? If you give people, you know, here's a formula step-by-step step, and just like fill in this section, fill in this section, that you're not outside yourself. You're literally inside yourself writing stuff out. By asking the questions, it forces you to think of yourself from the other person's point of view. Why does this person mm -hmm. think you're a safe choice? Why does this person think that you're different and you come at it from an angle? Why would this person think that you have a, you can have a big impact for them? It's not about you saying you can have a big impact. It's like, think about what they want to hear. And then that's what you write, not what you want to write. It's very hard to get outside your own head. Okay. Very yeah. 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 We, we have blind spots that people don't see. Absolutely. That we don't absolutely right so sometimes you just need to have another uh, second opinion and mm. um but i also think that there's also i mean i don't know about in western countries but i think for asians especially we also have this belief that um there's a right way to do this i'm doing it wrong uh, i need to make my marketing copy applicable to everybody you know we're targeting right. everybody and therefore um and also there's so many awesome people doing this how will mine stand out so there's all these yeah. things that kind of <laughs> makes it it works, I guess. What's your advice for that? Here's what I tell people about, you know, uh, it, well, everyone knows it's better to have something than nothing. So don't have a blank about section, right? On your LinkedIn page. <laughs> but I say this, right? Unless you're someone who's going to write what's on their gravestone and then you died, that's the only writing you'll ever do that you can never go back and change. Everything else, including this about section, you know, if you let it, if you write it and put it up and then a month later you say, you know what, I would like to change that a bit. Go back and change it. It's just some electrons and compute and electricity on a, on a screen. It's, it's, it's the most ephemeral thing in the world is text on a computer screen. Go back and rewrite it. Go back and tweak it. It's not a gravestone. You can change it every day of your life if you wanted to, but get yeah. something down. Totally. I, I think I've done. You were saying this earlier, mm -hmm. right? It's a lot easier. Uh, copywriting is really copy editing. No, copywriters don't get it right the first time. Okay. In my sessions where I let people watch me write uh, mm -hmm. their about profile in real time, like we're in a Google document and they can literally mm -hmm. watch every word I write. Uh, about 30% of it is the writing. And then the rest of it is me going back and say, oh, I, I don't like that. Any I, only, I know I only wrote it one minute ago, but I already hate it. This needs to be changed to that. And I'm editing and I'm cutting and I'm deleting and I'm adding in or changing words. And then that's basically all they're watching is me editing the whole time. You can edit right. you know, as much as you want but get something up there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's the editing which makes you better and better, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, totally. Okay, we've got some questions. CA is asking, uh, can Dave expand uh, on question seven? Tell me how you are unique, how you are different in question eight. Would like more examples to differentiate between the two, the how you're unique and how you're different. Sure. So, um, Unique versus different. Unique is just a bunch of things about you. Like I'll give you an example. Everyone in the world is unique in lots of different ways, right? But there's nobody in the world 
who went to the school that I went to in the year that I went there, worked for the exact same companies that I worked for and lives in my home, except me. Right. right. My wife and kids didn't go to the same school or work for the same company as my kids never worked for any companies really. Right? So there, that's, that's all it is to be unique. You just need to be able to understand that you've done something or you've worked somewhere or you studied something or you went to a school. It doesn't have to be a school that everyone in the world understands, but if you went to a school that's famous for something like, you know, if you went and you studied hotel management or you studied architecture or computer programming and people, from that world would recognize that school, then go ahead and put in your school. So unique is really easy and it's really not as important as people think. But different mm. is I approach it in this way, not the other way. So I'm different from everyone else that you're reading about because I think this part is important or I do this thing first or I do the same job as everyone else, but I do it you know, with this kind of flavor that no one else does. So what are some examples of that? Um, Everyone else in uh, accounting does their continuing education every year, but I make sure that I read every article that's peer reviewed in every journal about reconciling receivables. Like there's literally no one that you're gonna come across that uh, is as interested in reconciling receivables as me. I, I spend my own time and money even to make sure that I'm up to date on the latest thinking. That's like one example. It's a pretty boring example, but if probably if you are a person who does that, reconciling receivables is probably really interesting to you, right? And so you do something in some way that no one else does. And that's why you're going to stand out. And, and that's basically, that's what you're saying. In copywriting terms, we call that your mechanism. So, which is to say, the reason that I'm different and I'm going to be able to provide value for you is because I do this in this way and not the way everyone else does. So saying I'm going to come to work, I'm going to show up every day, I'm going to be on time and then, you know, and I'm going to do my best. That's not different. That's literally what everyone else is going to say. Okay, got it. Um, CA has one more question. Can the answer for question four, why you the safer choice, be the answer for question eight, how you're different? Um, wait, I'm sorry. Ask me that again. There was a little bit of a um, um, The answer, can the answer for question four, why you are the safest choice, be the same answer for question eight, how you're different? Je uh, question eight is what, the, what they're going to remember the next day. Oh, okay. The how you are different. But, sorry. Yeah. So it, it, any of the previous questions up until, well, any of the new, easy, or, or safe questions, or mm -hmm. the easy, safe, or big questions, any one of those may end up being your different answer, your answer for different. Yes, that is absolutely, that is really smart, uh, whoever asked that question. That's exactly right. What happens is as you, the closer you get to the end of the questions, the more likely it is that you've already answered it. I find this because I have people answer these questions all the time, right? That mm -hmm. they'll actually answer the different question somewhere in like number four through six. Uh, and they just don't know it yet. Right. So, okay. So, right? so it could be the, the same build on each other. Cause we start thinking mm. about how we answer or we, okay. we answer, we answer the wrong question at the wrong time. So we're okay, really answering it. a different question, but it, we thought we think we're answering the easy question. Okay. Got it. Yeah, so it's, really it's kind of, 
the questions kind of peel off layer by layer, layer and right. gets deeper so that we understand. I mean, it becomes clearer, right? I, yes. That seems to be the way. Okay, by the time good you're question. At number eight, you're like, I'm ready to write this sucker. I know what I want to say. Okay, awesome. Okay, now Avzan has a question for the sucker number eight. Question number eight. She's asking, um, we write about what we think makes us unique and different. But after a few posts on LinkedIn, the feedback is that it is something else that makes us unique. How do we identify our uniqueness before other people do? <laughs> oh, is it you a don't race? Have to worry about it. There, there is no way to absolutely determine whether you're doing it with the text or the subtext. There is no way to absolutely determine what someone is, what a conclusion someone's going to come to in their head when they read it. Don't don't worry about it. What you do is make sure that you are as you you are as different. From uh, as an isolated from everyone else that they're reading, because you're not the only profile they're looking at while they try to fix this problem, right? They're looking at you and four other people. And all you need to do is make sure that you stand out from the other four. It's like that old um, joke, right? Where two guys are in the woods and they come across um, like a bear and what, and the bear notices them. And the first guy starts, you know, starts running away. And the second guy stops and makes sure that his shoelaces are tight. And the first guy yells back and he says, like, why, uh, what are you doing? We got to run. You can't outrun a bear. He's going to try to hide from the bear. He says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I only have to outrun you. Mm. <laughs> that is horrible. Yeah, that is true. I know, it's, it's terrible. But again, he's literally right. The bear is not going to like, you know, try to, you know, the bear is not going to leave the meal of the first guy to go get the second meal. He's going to be okay with the first meal that he gets. Exactly, so, yeah. and he'll be you, full. You don't have to stand out from the world. You just have to stand out from the other four people they're looking at today. Somebody just sent a LinkedIn competitor's <laughs> profile today to me. So I just have to stand out from him. No, just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> Trigger. <laughs> but anyway. No, because he keeps adding our students and asking them to come to his class. So that's yeah. why. <laughs> sure. So we're like, huh? Okay. Anyway, I suppose he stands out in that sense. But anyway, let's. Uh, I'm gonna go back to like kind of basic. Dean, writing somebody else's profile is right. not what you do. <laughs> you do other things no, as well, it's, right? It's more, it's more than that, I think. Yeah, it's so it's much more. So that. we're gonna stand out, right? Yeah. We're gonna switch gears now. So Dean, first things first, how did you get started doing what you do now? Because do people actually go in, oh, I'm gonna be a copywriter, you know, to school? Um, how did you start and, and what is it that you offer your clients now? So it says, how do you work with them? Yeah, I mean, I, I get your point. It's like if you go to a schoolyard where kids are playing, they're not one of them, if you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, not one of them says, Oh, I'm gonna be an insurance. Right. Or I'm going to be in, a, you know, a hotel food logistics. Like, that's not what a five-year-old would say, you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how I ended up in copywriting. I, I think I started when I was 14. It just seemed like a sensible thing to do. My parents owned a business. They owned, like, a little uh, grocery store and gas station. And so I started by writing the signs and the product descriptions that would encourage people to buy a certain thing versus another thing in our little store. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. In a little town of 800 people. Wow. Where is this? Uh, where is this? It's in Newfoundland, Canada, which is where I'm originally from. I live in America. Wow. Okay. Really remote okay. kind of, you know, small place. Okay, cool. It must have been nice growing up in um, a small town. Yes. Well, it's like it's like a lot of things. 
uh, it's like there, you know how there are, like there are some big famous companies and you know that they have a really rough like culture and the employees mm -hmm. are not happy there. Well, those, those kind of companies, it's like, it's a good place to be from, but not a good place to be. Right. You know? okay. okay. Oh yeah, Got I did it. my tour at XY company and that's why I'm like so good at cold calling. I don't mm -hmm. want to work there anymore, but you know, it was great education while I was there. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, growing up in a town of 800 people, out of the mm -hmm. very outer edge of North America, where you're closer to England than you are to California. I don't know. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a nice place to grow up. I'm not sure. Okay. It had terrible weather, but other than that, it was nice. Must have been pretty cold. Oh, right? and it rained like every second day of my life. And no one owns oh. an umbrella because it's so windy. It's like a little island out in the North Atlantic. No one owns an umbrella, even though it rains all the time, because the umbrellas just blow out every time you try to use them. Okay, that sounds like me in England. I don't bother wearing... Uh, <laughs> bring an umbrella because I don't see the point. But anyway, no. right. So now what do you do? Because apart from, you know, helping people with their about me section, uh, right. writing your personal write-up, you also do webinars. Could you tell us more about that? Right. So you I, save webinars. That's what you do. Yeah. I, I work in the sort of the, if, if you're going to put people in like a department in a company, I work in a relatively new kind of field that's only been around about 15 years called sales enablement. And in sales enablement, your job is to take what a company or a marketing department wants to say generally to the whole market and you transform it for some particular audience, either someone in a conference room because you know, either you're making presentations for salespeople or you're making webinars that are going out to people interested in a particular topic and not necessarily the company as a whole. So uh, most of the time, I'm a webinar ghostwriter. Most I, I mainly do B2C. I don't do a lot of B2C webinars. I do B2B webinars. So I do mostly B2B webinars. So I write and construct webinars for companies who want to get the people in the audience to perform a call to action at the end of the webinar. Sign up for the okay. newsletter, book a 30-minute discovery call with our sales team, get on our mailing list, sign up for a webinar series we're going to do come to our booth at a conference, something like that. Okay. Is is this like pretty new for people? A lot of people don't understand it or how, how does it work? Ghostwriting webinars? So, I mean, a ghostwriter is just someone who doesn't put their name on something, but they write it, right? Lots of, every okay. book by a politician or a celebrity, I don't think mm. Beyonce writes her own book, right? No, no, it's definitely not. It's her but ideas and she meets with that person, but there's someone whose job it is to take all of that jumble of stuff and turn it into something that's really fascinating to read and structured and, and, and achieves what she wants to achieve. So ghostwriters have been around for a long time. Webinar ghostwriters, mm -hmm. not so much. In fact, I was talking earlier on the LinkedIn profile about new and how rare it is. Mm -hmm. I didn't even, everyone is stuck in their own head, including copywriters. We have trouble seeing ourselves just like everyone else does, right? I did not realize that webinar ghostwriter, which to me is something that I, you know, I know people there aren't a lot of people. I don't know anyone who does B2B uh, exclusively like I do. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who uh, who do that, but I didn't realize it. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to register webinarghostwriter.com and I'm going to start putting all, all my material and stuff onto a website. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And in a week, I, I I googled myself just before I started, you know, basically not not my name, but I googled webinar ghostwriter. Webinar ghostwriter. Uh -huh. And so and I I could, there, the only thing there was webinars that you could sign up for teaching you how to be a ghostwriter for some politician or Beyonce. And then within a week, because uh -huh. it's such like a new and unique thing that mm -hmm. now if you go there, 
and you Google webinar ghostwriter, I'm like four or five of the first 10 results. Wow. Wow. So all this came up in a span of like how long? Oh, I've been writing uh, on the side. I would have like a corporate mm -hmm. job. And I would write for a VP of something or an entrepreneur mm -hmm. who's going to be, you know, giving a webinar or like a, a talk at a conference where they could mm -hmm. really, like, the company could break through if they did a fantastic job at yes. that presentation or webinar. And so mm -hmm. I, I've been writing for those folks for years and years and years. And I, before that, I used to write um, webinars and sort of the big keynote speeches for professional speakers around the U.S. and Canada. I had a whole business where I just mm -hmm. did marketing and, and writing for, for professional speakers, so like what they would say on stage or what they would say in a webinar. And then from mm -hmm. that, I started picking up clients, wanna, you know, just one or two at a time. And then when okay. I finished up at the end of last year, I said, you know what? I do this all the time. I love it. It's the world's least interesting topic, but I think it's fascinating. And so I'm into it. And and people actually do really get a lot of sales from it, right? It, it I mean, yeah. we believe in it because we think it's the new form of marketing. Right. So webinars yeah. have been around forever. Uh, on the mm -hmm. one hand, they've never really improved much mm, in the last okay. 20 years, Whoa. right? Yeah. There, I mean, you're, the, the webinars you see today are really not any more interesting than the ones 20 years ago. They're, the technology hasn't changed much. There's been a couple of Band-Aid things like pop-up surveys and stuff, which I do not use or recommend for people. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good idea to interrupt an audience, but it makes sense if you're kind of boring, it makes sense to throw something up on screen. But um, the reason that they didn't need to improve, this is really interesting about webinars and a lot of stuff. Yeah. Especially so let's go back to the core reason for having a webinar, right? Which is mm -hmm. kind of similar to the LinkedIn about section, which is that at the end of it, if it does nothing else except make people feel like it's safe to move closer to you as a consumer or as a business, or let your business come closer to their employer and their boss won't say, why, do you, why are you talking to me about this company? Like, I'm no, these guys are idiots, right? If you can convey that, you know, we've done all this thinking, we've got interesting stuff, we solve these problems, it, it makes sense for us to get closer to your company, then uh, that's really the, that's the minimum thing they need to achieve. And most webinars do manage to achieve that. They don't mm. achieve anything else, but they manage to achieve that. And so they got good enough at the main thing right from the start. And from there, they never really improved. But you can do right. so much more if you know what. Yeah. So what are the main challenges that people face? Well, what is it that you're the doing main wrong? Challenge is, mm -hmm. It is extraordinarily hard to keep mm -hmm. and maybe even impossible to keep an audience's, a webinar audience's attention on the screen for the 45 minutes that you're giving your talk. Mostly mm -hmm. because we're not putting enough stuff on screen to keep people's attention. And it's a, it's a tremendous amount of work to make a webinar, even a bad one. And it's a tremendous amount of extra work if you're going to try to keep people on screen all the time. Because, you know, people expect to, you know, people can read about 200 to 300 words a minute in, in mm -hmm. English. So mm -hmm. like putting a bunch of stuff, on, even if you put everything you're going to say on screen, people are going to read it silently faster than you can say it. And then they're just waiting and waiting. And there's nothing mm. to watch. So there's it's kind of like that. Blah, blah, blah. So the, 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 the main thing I have to sort of break webinar folks, especially CMOs and VPs of marketing, I have to break them from the idea that a webinar is a visual experience. It's not. Most people are going to spend most of their time, and everyone who's listening to me has done this before, right? 
they they play the webinar as radio in the background while they're checking their mail or checking Facebook. They're on LinkedIn. They're not looking at the screen most of the time because there isn't anything on screen that's interesting most of the time. Mm. The same slide might stay up for 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not in the TV business. You're in the radio business. And if you can make that switch and understand that you're in the audio business and so what is being said and how it's said is more important than what you show on the screen, that's a game changer for almost every company. Once they figure out, I just need to script out everything that we're going to say word for word and work mm -hmm. on that to make sure that my points are getting across and we're using powerful language and we're guiding people from the top of the webinar right down to our call to action, you know, subtly without, you know, being, you know, like being too overt about it, then that's it. A, a webinar is an is a radio experience with a little bit of visual put in. And mm. once they figure that out, once I can convince them of it, like the whole world opens up for them. Wow, that that's like so powerful because it did not occur to me that a webinar was a radio uh, until you mentioned it. Then you're right; it is a radio experience, isn't it? So, if I can accept that a webinar is a radio experience, <laughs> what then opens up for me? How should it be run? How how do you see it run? So there are. Uh, and I don't try to pretend there's only eight. There are 10 questions that you walk okay. through. I do not remember them all. Um, I, I, I bet I could, but I'd end up halting and having to have long periods of silence where I try to recall what they are. Actually, mm -hmm. you know what? I bet you I could. I think you could, right? You watch. Um, I have it as a shortcut where I type a few things. Okay, so here are the questions. And what, what happens is in B2C, the order is of the questions is a little different than in B2B. But in, mm -hmm. in B2B, the, the questions you're going to answer, what you have to write a script, but you're writing a script not to say what you want to say. You want to write a script to to your audience answering questions in order. Just like answer the just talk to the audience by answering mm -hmm. these questions. Don't put the questions up on, on screen anywhere in your webinar, right? We inform mm -hmm. with the text, we persuade with the subtext. So you answer the questions without showing them what the question is. Mm -hmm. And the very first question is, why is this different? This is the audience thinking to themselves. Why is this different? Mm -hmm. Why is this novel? Why is this worth paying attention to? And you need to hit that right at the top. Most people start with, hi, my name is so-and-so. Here's a slide with my picture on it. Here's my, um, you know, uh, here's the agenda. Here's some housekeeping items as if every, no, one on the web, no one on the webinar has ever been on a webinar before and doesn't know how a webinar works. Right? There's no one left in the world who doesn't know how an online meeting works. So you start off by just right from the top. Why is this different? So you answer for the audience. Here's why this is different. Here's something cool. Here's something interesting or new. Here's a point of view that here's an assumption you probably, here's something you believe, and I'm going to show you why you're wrong, and I'm going to show you what the new truth is. Something. But you got to grab attention right from the very top. And mm -hmm. then how do I know I can trust you? And like not you as a company, but you individually. That's your people slide. Right. So that's you, you do need a slide like you've always had with your picture on it and your title and any awards you had or whatever. Right. But, you know, but why can I how do I know I can trust you? You need that slide and spend at least a moment or two. I should say that I advise the CMOs and VPs of marketing around the world. You don't give each question an equal amount of time. Some of these questions are going to you know, you have quite a lot to put in for them. Some of them you want to get rid of as quickly as possible. Why is this different? Get rid of that very quickly. Um, how do I know I can trust you? Get rid of that very quickly, right? Just like deal with it and move on. Don't spend a lot of time talking about yourself. It's not like five mm -hmm. minutes about you. Um, the next one is 
how do I know this is real, right? Because a lot of stuff that we see is really just in someone's imagination or what we used to call slideware or vaporware, right? It's not a real thing yet. And so you have to show that it's real because remember the underlying message we're always trying to do with every webinar is it's safe for me to come closer to you or my company to come closer to your company. So yeah, this is where you talk about other, this is basically, like, this is social proof, like the whole Cialdini thing, right? This is other companies have already bought this or um, we were featured in this, you know, uh, magazine or news site or whatever, right? We were on CNN and, you know, whatever, you know, it's like validation that it actually exists in the world. I'm not trying to like sell you something, then you're going to be the first person to ever buy it. And I'm still working at the bugs and all that stuff. And then um, the next one is what's in it for us. And that's kind of goes back to the Pat Flynn thing of talking about the benefits. So you talk mm -hmm. about the benefits first. We don't get the features until way down in the list. Number eight, I think. Uh, no, yeah, number eight. So then, so what's in it for us? And that's basically the features. And then this is where a copywriter comes at something that most salespeople would not think of. The next question is, what's kept us, or you know, as a company, from from getting what we want? So we want more customers. What's kept us from getting that? We want higher margin or better ARPU on every customer. What's kept us from getting that? Right. And then that's the question you're answering for them. You should have an answer for that because you're selling something that solves their problem. You should know why they haven't solved the problem already. And then the next one is how will what you sell or how will this help us get what we want? So you're setting up why they've been blocked from doing something. And then you're the solution to help them get to that. That's the next question. And then the toughest question in all of B2B, which the B2C people do not really have nearly as much of a trouble with this as B2B mm -hmm. does. Why now? Because there's almost nothing that you're going to sell in a B2B environment that the customer couldn't get for the same price or cheaper if they wait a month or a year or a quarter or whatever. So why now is a tough, there is no concept of scarcity in B2B. In B2C, it's like, I'm only offering it at this price until midnight. Yeah. It's only available. We only have seven slots. And once they're sold, they're done, right? There's no such thing like yeah. that in B2B. If you call your, you know, uh, the company that supplies your restaurant with food and you say, hey, that deal that you told me about like three months ago, where I can get peaches for 10% off. I want to buy the peaches now and I want the 10% off. And you're going to sell to them if you can, because you, otherwise your competitor is going to do it. So why now is really tough to answer. I earn almost all of my money writing for uh uh, script for B2B webinars on figuring out how to answer why now. It's very tough. Most people can't do wow. it. Wow. Okay. Right. okay. But I mean, I should say, I just said most people can't do it. Literally everybody can do it, but mm. it, you do have to invest time in figuring it out and you have to know the mm. answer. Right? And then the mm. last two questions or three questions are, how does it work? And that's where you get to geek out on all your features and you know, and here's how you'd sign up for it. And we're going to be using Google Docs. And we're going to get your private Facebook group. But here's like all the mechanics and logistics of how does it work. Mm. And then the, the, and what's the risk of doing nothing? Because you don't want to leave them with the idea that they've got forever. Yeah. It usually means every day you don't do this, you're losing money because my solution makes it cheaper for you to do something. Or oftentimes the flip side is every day that you don't do this, your competitors are, are you know, doing better than you are. It's really mm -hmm. the only options you often get in B2B. And then the very last one, which should be what everyone does, just like the LinkedIn about profile, what's the next step? Mm -hmm. Where do we go from here? Okay. Is it going to be an in-depth technical meeting? Um, do I have to, you know, uh, put down a deposit? 
you know, how do I get in the in the queue so uh, I'm not you know still waiting for this a year from now? So those are the ten questions. I'm I'm listening to this and I feel that this can also work for live webinars too, right? So if you're oh, doing yeah. a consistent, oh, no. I use this for all live yeah. webinars. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this is this is like a sales funnel in a way because you're kind of how it's structured is you're kind of uh, getting rid of the mindset or the blocks right at the start, right? right. And you're mm. getting you're you're leading them somewhere, definitely, right? Yeah. And there's no yeah. lingering doubt. Like when they when they finish at the end of the webinar, there's no like, you know, I'm still not sure. They're not mm. they don't even know why they're not sure that they should sign up or talk to your sales team or whatever. They just know something's missing. Something wasn't covered. There's something I don't know. And one thing we always say in copywriting, the confused mind does nothing. If a buyer is confused about something, they're not going to take the next step, no matter how small the next step is. Right. You're right. You're right. So the 10 questions knock out all of the major emotional and intellectual areas. So that by the time you get to the end, they're like, well, yeah, that totally makes sense. I feel like I understand this. Let's get going. Okay. I love I love the way the way the seeds been planted from the start. It's just like small yeah. seeds here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what I notice in the in some of the webinars is that they they dump all the sales technique at the end. Yeah. Then by that time you just I don't want to listen to this anymore. I just want to get away. Wait, Everyone so, drops off. It's like oh yeah, yeah they're not so, talking about me anymore. They're talking about themselves. I'm done here. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because this usually happens in all webinar and everybody's, it's like what you said earlier, right? Before we started live, everybody comes in and then they wait for that part. And as soon as you start the sale, it goes down, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have to start the sale almost in the first sentence, very mm -hmm. carefully without being salesy about it. So that How do you do that? What's an example of, you know, selling without being spammy and salesy? Or sneaky. <laughs> so this is this is a copywriting concept, and I'm gonna take see if I can explain it. It's the only thing I ever have trouble explaining. So just bear with me for a second. <laughs> okay, okay, got it. Mm -hmm. All right, let me let me talk. If you and I, if you were driving in a car, and I was in the passenger seat, and then uh, another car sort of hit us, right? And we didn't die or anything, but you know, another car kind of hit us. Then for the rest of our lives, if you and I are together, and we happen to be talking about something like that. I would never call it. Uh, I would. I would. I would say, yeah. Just like the, you know, this feels like the time when we were in the accident. I would not say this feels like the time you and I were both in the car on March eighth, two thousand and twenty, and that red car came in from the. I mean, I would not say all that stuff. You and I would have a shorthand reference because we experienced something together, and we would just say the car accident or the accident, right? Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. The way that you set up the audience so that by the time they get to the end of your webinar, they're ready and willing to perform your call to action is you pretend that they've already seen the call to action, even though they haven't, and that they liked it. Then you go back to your script and you start adding in little like references to it, very general ones that assume that the audience has already seen the call to action with you and liked it. So if the call to action is sign up for our newsletter, right? Then right in the very beginning, you would lay in references about people who, you know, would have been better off if they had known something ahead of time, which is what you reason you sign up for a newsletter so that you see stuff and you know, read stuff. And it doesn't surprise you when it happens to you in real life, this business problem, Kubernetes doesn't work you know, on, you know, on this form of Linux, whatever, you know, 
it doesn't matter. And so you start referencing to it like the accident, but you don't actually like call it out. And so by the time they get to your pitch about you should sign up for our newsletter, you've already laid in the made references to it by saying things like, you know, it's so helpful when you can get uh, information ahead of time and know what problems are on the horizon. Or it's so helpful when you've had a chance to read what other people have done before you experience it yourself. It's it. Uh, or I remember the, the one time it was so weird. I I was reading a newsletter I get in my email every week about such and such. And then that happened to me the next day. And I already knew what to do because I'd read it. You just lay in these references. You've never talked about a newsletter that you're giving out. Then by the time they get to it, they've been primed for it. It's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. You get it ahead of time. Uh, you know about it. There was that one story where like they, they, they read it and then the next day they experienced it. And so then they sign up for it. Does it make sense? You've laid it in, but you've never referred to it. You just pretended they already knew the value of the newsletter. Okay. I, I think I know how to explain it simply. Good. Tell me. <laughs> um, you basically did an inception on them. Okay. You that too. planted the I mean, seed, yeah. right? That's the easy right. way to explain it. So you're yeah, planting the seed. You're planting the seeds um, right. right from the start here and there and so that by the time you reveal the, yes, sign up for the newsletter, they're like, oh my God, my world will end if I don't sign up for this yeah. newsletter. I will die. I will be a Nokia. You know what you I mean? You did something like this, by the way, at the top. Really? What did I do? <laughs> sort of. You, you, it was like, it was, we, we call those things assumptive asides. It's an aside because it's just like a throwaway comment. You don't spend a lot of time focusing on And it's assumptive in that you're making the assumption the audience already knows what you're talking about. So when you talked about the TikTok lady, yes, uh huh, mm -hmm. you and, and and talked about how um, I'm sure she doesn't like it if I call her the TikTok lady. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Don't worry. She's also a WeChat lady, so she's a TikTok and WeChat lady. Okay. There you go. M F forty five lady. Okay. By anyway, saying yep. ahead of time, you know, mm -hmm. basically you're accepting for her next week, but you're saying, you know, mm -hmm. even if you, you yep. said what you said was even if you don't know what it is. You're going to want to know, right? Yeah, that's like, yeah. That, that's not quite assumptive. It's a little bit salesy because, you know, obviously mm -hmm. you're, it's a promo for her. So, you, of course, mm -hmm. you're promoting. But it's sort of the same thing. It's like you don't even know the value you're going to get, but there's going to be value there when we get there. Mm. Pretty similar to that, except you want to, like, take out anything that sounds at all promo or salesy and just make an offhanded comment and then move on. Don't dwell on it. Don't spend any time explaining it. Make the comment you know throughout the webinar in your script and just then instantly forget that you said it and move on and by the okay. time you get in they've been primed or incepted a bunch of times okay so if we were to get this strategy like correct it's kind of like inception um added with a lace of how do you say process in english i mean conceitedness because we teach our students to be conceited because you know as asians we don't talk big about ourselves it's about other people talking about how awesome we we are if we're awesome we, we don't talk about right. ourselves so it's about doing inception and being <laughs> a bit conceited at the same time that's is that's that funny. Like, right i have to do the same thing when i write the linkedin profiles for people i have them read it and i have them read it out loud to me and then i say okay uh -huh. i don't write stuff that isn't true is everything that i've written for you true and they say yeah it's all true and i said well if it's true stand on it Live out loud a little bit. Brag about yourself Aww. a little bit. Because it's all true. Why would you not be proud of it? Take yeah. it. Use it on your LinkedIn page. 
Love it. Thank you. You just reaffirmed one of our <laughs> commandments, which is it pays to press on, which means it pays to be conceited because everybody was doing it on LinkedIn. We know they suck. I mean, the ones who we knew they suck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if it's true, own it. And yeah. It. So there you go, guys. Even yeah. Dean is saying own it. Okay. Good job. <laughs> I love Inception. Mm. But I, I didn't get the movie. <laughs> it was too much Inception on oh. so many levels, but I kind of got it in that sense. Yeah, so they're all talking and they, they need to be conceited now. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Um, I do have one question and it is from Astrid. Astrid, I hope you are still there. She's going back to the um, about me section uh, kind of thing. And she's like, would adding a small humor into your profile write-up be a good idea, especially when you're in, let's say, involved in pharma or medical industry because it does create like um emotion and that's what we want to do right but yeah. how do we tread it because you can so, easily do it the yeah. wrong way yeah such a good question so mm. um uh the webinar that i gave and like like i said it's free and it's automated anyone can watch it anytime right one of the things i talk about right up at the very beginning of the webinar is that linkedin of all of the social media platforms from twitter to Facebook, to TikTok, to WeChat, to, like of all of them, LinkedIn is the coldest one. It's the most like standoffish one, right? Yes, and we so, call it constipated. Yeah, all B two B, but especially on LinkedIn, you have to be very careful about using humor because okay. it's very easy to go wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And so, I also, by the way, uh, I tell people don't project weakness on LinkedIn. You don't have to like pretend that you're invincible, but uh, and is it okay if I pick on Amy and again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't, it starts yeah, off yeah. by saying, my, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm the most easiest to do. Just your vision. I think your your says your vision, which is fine. I, vision is right, right on the edge, right? Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have used that word, but it's right on the edge. But people say like, my passion is, or my superpower is, like we don't use any of those words. I said, we can convey that meaning without actually saying the words because the words are going to turn people off. In LinkedIn being such a cold, constipated kind of place, you do not want to uh, project weakness, talk too much about emotions, or for most times, try to do humor, unless you really, really feel that you've got that joke nailed down and that it's going to resonate with the audience. For the most part, I do not. I focus on relief like the reader feeling a sense of relief. Oh, thank God. I finally found the person who's going to solve my problem mm -hmm. or at least intrigue. I do not try to go for humor. Right. Okay. So the safe route is to, for relief. Yeah. Relief is okay. the safe. You can convey relief. You've done 99% of the work for your about profile. Mm. Mm. Yep. I think this is a very good point to make because at the end of the day, where uh, on LinkedIn, it is about business and professional. And if if you're building your authority, if you want to sell something, then it's definitely about what relief can you give that person, right? Yeah. Unless you're a comedian, then it's definitely comedy. Yeah, and I'm not a comedian. I'm really not. Mm -hmm. But I tell people companies go to LinkedIn to shout about themselves. Individuals mm -hmm. go to LinkedIn to solve a problem of some kind. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. Okay, I mean, do you have anything to add? I'm still a funny I'm, person, I'm, so I'm gonna I'm, keep being me. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna come from this angle. My, this is my personal point of view on this. At the end of the day, who's your client avatar? Yes. So if your client avatar is those group of people that will be comfortable with it, I'm okay with it. Right. Mm. That's how I see it. Yeah. 
So I look back to that. Yeah, you will speak to your own audience. That's yeah. Exactly. If you know I, your audience, you know what to say. Yeah, yeah. because our our yeah. audience is you guys and you guys don't behave, so we don't behave. But having said that... I've, I've seen some influencers who use humor and there are people who respond to that. And you know right. what? I've, yeah. Who's your target market? Who's your target audience? At the end of the day, it goes back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But for me, even if if I am a humorous person and stuff like that, the about me is doesn't, doesn't, I mean, it's a pain relief that I'm solving at the end of the day. So I'm yeah. conscious about that. Yeah. Because that supersedes the humor part. So in my posts, I'm, I put the funny stuff, but in the about me, it's the pain relief. Okay. And even then, it's mostly third-party funny stuff, right? Like, look at this funny meme. Look at this funny cartoon or picture. It's right. Or look at this comment someone made about someone. That's like what we put on LinkedIn for funny. We don't normally try to come up with original jokes for LinkedIn. I mean, honestly, right, yeah. if you're coming up with original jokes, go to Twitter. That's the audience. They love that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. True, true, true. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I mean, any questions? I'm okay for now. It's good. Okay for now. Okay, right. so we've yeah. done Astrid's question. I think looking at time, we've got like very little time left. So I mm-hmm. do have um, a couple of questions, um, rapid fire round um, for Dean. So Dean, um, looking at how the world is moving and changing, what are your top tips for business owners, startups, sales professionals when it comes to webinar or copywriting or about me, you know, from your point of view? I would go ahead and spend a little time making one webinar that you could record and then have it run automatically. And the the goal of that webinar is to make sure that a lot of people, you're going to try to send as many people as you can to that webinar, right? Through, you know, you're going to keep posting about it every so often. You might pay for Facebook advertising or whatever, right? You're going to, you're trying to send an audience, but there's a place for them to go. And that webinar has two jobs. To all the people that are never going to buy from you, but might waste your time in by wanting to talk to you and have a free consultation, you want to ve- treat them with respect so that they leave thinking, all right, I like that interesting person, not for me. And then they don't try to chew up your actual valuable time in like a free consultation or something. And then for everyone right. else, which is a much smaller group that you've mm-hmm. sent there, they look through it and they say, you know what, if this, if this webinar and the quality of this and the messaging that I'm getting is going to be the kind of quality I'm going to get if I work with this person, then I want to work with this person. I'm going to move closer to them. And then at the end of the webinar, usually there's something like click here to book a time or click here to send me an email, blah, blah, blah. And then just let that run 24 hours a day for as long as you can let it run where it still works. Okay. So take my money. This is my unpaid money from Chinese New Year. I'm (laughs) sorry. You don't, you don't stop running it because you're tired of it. You stop running it when the customers are tired of it. And until they're tired of it, you should okay. still love it. And just let okay. it run forever. It's a one-time investment of time and then and a little money every month. And then that's it. It just runs forever. Love it. Love it. People will stay with you for 45 minutes. What other, or an hour, what other marketing venue do we have where people will stick around that long? Okay. And what's the worst thing they can do? I think I know, but you tell me. The Not worst doing thing it. they can do for creating their funnel? Uh, no, what's the worst thing they can do as a business with the way the world is moving right now? Oh, I see. Uh, so Not here's, doing here's, it right now. here's the lesson I, I take away from that, right? You, mm-hmm. uh, 
you need a good sales organization if your marketing sucks. You need good marketing if your sales sucks. Decide which one you're going to let suck and focus everything on the other one. Okay, got it. That's a good one. Good one. I like that. You're good at talking about yourself. Pick one and do it. Okay, got it. That's a good one. What was your um, okay, one last question. What was your most difficult assignment? Hmm. Hmm. I had a client once that I was creating a webinar for where they didn't want to have a point of view or a voice. They didn't want the company to stand out. They wanted it so that if you took out the logos on the screen and the name of the company, you couldn't tell if it came from them or the big competitor that was a hundred times their size. Right. I said, wow. if if there if the only difference is the logo on the screen, then why are you doing this? Like you can't compete with a company's marketing budget that's a hundred times bigger than you. Your only choice is to be different and stand out. And he said, no, 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 no. This is this is the way to do it. You know, basically, I I think they just he wanted to get a job at the company that had, was a hundred times bigger. So he wanted to show them that he could do their kind of work, when really he should have been focusing on like how to like get into that prospect's head with his company and move them along. But sometimes, you know, people have an idea. No, it has to be done this way. This is the way we've always done it. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to carve out a little position for ourselves. We don't want to be remembered the next day. They never tell you that. Right. But that's so really did it tank? Oh yeah, it was terrible. Terrible. I mean, it was a great quality webinar. I should have just like gone to the bigger company and said, I just made a great webinar for you guys. Here it is. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, now I know what to do. Uh, not yeah. that I'm going anywhere. I mean, I'm I'm here to see. That was funny. The smaller you okay. are compared to your competitor, the more you need to carve out your own unique position and own it. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more. Okay, with that, we're coming to the end. We've got one last question for you, Dean. Moving okay. forward, what are your plans? What are, what's next for you? I will start. Uh, I, I will. I am starting. We used to run these sprints. I think you mentioned at the top of. Uh, of yes. The, we used to run the. Mm -hmm. we, we're switching to a membership model because we want it to make as easy for everyone, as small, tiny businesses, to do what we recommend, which is to make one great webinar and let it run forever, automated. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, the next thing for us is to set up the membership program so that people, small businesses, can pay like just a, a little amount every month, have us help them create their, their webinar and like deliver it for them and write their registration page and all that stuff. And then they never need to think about it again because we'll put it onto our automated platform and just let it run for them forever. Wow. Okay. That sounds fantastic. We are definitely going to be in touch. Um, also, Dean, um, you shared with me something, Popcorn Chatbot. Could you, Popcorn AI, could you share the links that Dean uh, shared with us um, so that if you want to watch the free videos that Dean has, um, we've got the links for you. And also, if you want to do that session with Dean, um, you know, to come up with your profile, because I totally want to do it, um, the links are going to be there for you. Popcorn chatbot, are you there? Can you help? I think popcorn chatbot is tired. She's behaving. He, he, it's <laughs> behaving quite well because normally we we got a cheap chatbot from China, so it usually has an attitude problem. But she's quite nice today. Huh. It's quite nice. That's yeah. Good. Okay. So connect with Dean on LinkedIn and the webinar ghostwriter.com. What is that? Uh, so that people know. 
that's where I post all of my uh, blog articles and explain mm -hmm. how we, uh, and I let people get in touch with me if they want just a little bit of help on a webinar they've already got or mm -hmm. on the other side, if they've got a really super important one and they want help like constructing and writing the whole thing. Right. Okay. Got it. And then the CMO webinars is where all your videos are, right? Yeah, that's, that's a, they, they asked me to create a series for CMOs and VPs of marketing about webinars. And I said, I have an opportunity to talk to that audience. That audience needs to hear what they're doing wrong and step-by-step step, how to make their stuff amazing. And that's what I'm making for those guys. Awesome. And the last one is the all new LinkedIn profile writing multi. That's the one I want to get on uh, yeah. to get you the eight questions and how by the end of that webinar, um, that session on Zoom, that one hour, you're going to get your profile up and running. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So go for that one. The link is here in <laughs> Facebook and in, I think, what's that thing? Uh, LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Idris is saying, hey, Dean, just sent you a connection request on LinkedIn. Thanks for your time. And yeah, we're, thank you so much, Dean. I think we learned so much. Guys, what did you guys learn today? Let us know if there's one thing that you got from today's session. What is it? Let us know in the comment section. We want to hear from you. I mean, what's your biggest learning? I'm arranging my profile immediately after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, got it. Um, I I love it. I I think wow, I learned hey, so much that the best yeah? thing to do is take action immediately after you learn something. That's hey, always you're, you're something. You're kind of flapping right. me because I still yeah, haven't done anything, right? <laughs> yes, Nina, do your profile. <laughs> well, I want to work with Dean. I'm a brat. <laughs> I'm one of those people uh, who wants to be uh, when we're doing stuff. Okay, but anyway, um, so yeah. Uh, uh, still Chinese, Chinese New Year. Okay. Firecracker still. But anyway, yes, thank you so much. All right. Do uh, your homework. You so brag okay, <laughs> somebody saying bragging is a no-no. It's not a no-no. Bragging is good. Yes. Um, oh, oh, a lot of people are saying thank you for sharing. And 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 Samantha is saying that you're number one on ghostwriting or something when she Googled. Ooh, I made it to number one. Awesome. Yeah, I think so. Wait, Congratulations. Let, let me see what she says. <laughs> wow. In, in, in 10 days. That's amazing. In 10 days, is it? Yeah. Okay, hang on. I can't remember where she said it, but yeah. It's, it's somewhere, somewhere up there. Up there. I saw it. I saw yeah, it. yeah. She said number one, right? She Googled you and she saw yeah, you. She I Googled Webinar Ghostwriter and saw you. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says I'm number one on Google from now on. Yeah, <laughs> you can do that. There you go. Webinar Ghostwriter. <laughs> Dean, thank you so much. We'll be in Thank you so much, Dean. Yeah, I'm going to be in touch because I want to do my my thingy, my about me. And and thank you so much for sharing generously, yeah? Exactly. Thank you for the feedback. Bye. Appreciate it. Bye. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yep. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed it. We will see you next week. Um, let us know in the comment section if you want to, uh, or PM us if you have people that or, or certain topics that you want us to cover, okay? Thank you so much. Good night, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon, guys. Bye. Bye.